Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. All right, today we are talking about Republicans voting against a price cap on insulin. Is that really true or is there more to the story? We will also be talking to Senator Tim Scott. You're probably seeing his name in the news right now. He's got a lot to say. As always, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Allie for American Meat Delivered. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. All right. I first want to talk about the thing that you guys have been messaging me about, which is this headline that the GOP blocked an insulin price cap. So this is the same kind of deal that we talked about a couple weeks ago when you were hearing that Republicans blocked access to birth control and that they also tried to make it illegal to allow gay people to get married. We debunked those claims. Then we're going to debunk this claim now. Always when you hear something that is too good to be true for the other side or too bad to be true about Republicans, there's always another side of the story. And that's probably true in general, but particularly when it comes to things that Republicans do simply because the media leans so far to the left that you can almost always bet that they're not telling the full story in their headlines. And a lot of you are seeing these posts shared on Instagram, these graphics saying Republicans voted against making insulin cheaper. They hate diabetics. They're not pro-life, all of this stuff, of course, but it's missing a lot of context and it's missing a lot of explanation. So let me tell you how The Hill describes what went down and why people are talking about Republicans voting against this price cap. So their headline is Democrats fail to overrule parliamentarian on insulin price cap as GOP votes no. So Senate Democrats fell short of an effort Sunday to overrule a decision by the parliamentarian that effectively struck down a proposal sponsored by Senator Raphael Warnock to cap out-of-pocket insulin costs at $35 a month for people not covered by Medicare. Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican of South Carolina, the ranking member of the Budget Committee, sought to enforce the parliamentarian's ruling that Warnock's cap on insulin prices violated the Byrd rule because it would set prices in the commercial market and therefore couldn't pass with a simple majority vote. Senate Democrats insisted on a vote to waive the procedural objection to put Republican senators on record, including Senator Ron Johnson, Republican from Wisconsin, the most vulnerable member of the GOP conference, on the record as opposing a popular proposal to rein in insulin prices. So they broke the rules. They broke the budgetary rules. Uh, they They broke the procedural rules. And the parliamentarian of the Senate tried to enforce that rule and Democrats tried to overrule it to make sure that they could get Republicans on the record voting against the price caps on insulin. Why? Because it is politically advantageous to them. Of course, this goes both ways. Republicans do this to Democrats, but you never see the widespread vitriol when an amendment or any kind of bill is pushed by Republicans that the Democrats vote 
know on. You just don't see the mainstream media reporting on it the way that they report negatively on Republicans. You don't see those flashy Instagram graphics going around saying, wow, how terrible it is that Democrats voted against this. There are a lot of amendments that uh, that Republicans tried to add to this latest so-called Inflation Reduction Act that were turned down, that were blocked uh, by Democrats. Amendments to secure our border, amendments to try to protect American manufacturing, um, to try to limit new audits by the IRS to people who make a significant amount of money rather than the IRS going after working class people. And Democrats voted against all of those things. And you probably didn't even know that unless you are paying attention to conservative media, because, again, you just don't see the widespread mainstream reaction to the Democrats votes that you see to Republicans Votes. Now, some Republicans, many Republicans do actually oppose price caps as a rule, as a principle, because uh, they believe that it is actually just going to push the cost somewhere else. So it's not actually going to lower the cost. If you artificially say, which is what a price cap is, it's an artificial limit of how much something can cost. So if the government says you can only charge this month, well, the companies, including insurance companies, they're going to find another way to make up for that money. And the Washington Post, to their credit, actually does report this, even if their headline leans left. So the Washington Post says this, Many Republicans have opposed a $35 cap, saying the measure did not address the root problem of skyrocketing insulin prices. Instead, they said it would force insurance companies to pass on the cost through premiums, which is absolutely true. And so it might seem like you are paying less when it comes to insulin, but you are actually going to end up paying the same because the insurance companies are just going to shift that cost around. National Review has an article that discusses price caps on insulin and why competition in this market, not price caps, are actually the answer. And therefore, why Republicans are actually right to vote against the price cap even including consideration of the fact that Democrats broke the rules and all of that. Even without that, Republicans would be correct to vote against something like this because ultimately it doesn't make a positive difference in the lives of people who have diabetes and need insulin. So I'll get to that in just one second. Let me pause. Let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day. That is GenuCell. So GenuCell is a skincare company. It specializes in natural anti-aging and the people that use it just absolutely love it. GenuCell has sold over 1 million products to men and women, especially women across the country, and they all love the results. So we're talking fine lines, forehead wrinkles, dark spots, sagging jawline, even those annoying bags and puffiness gone without the risky procedures like Botox and things like that. You can more naturally try to reverse the effects of aging using GenuCell. It's immediate uh, effects, guaranteed results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. That's an amazing guarantee. Every most popular package includes a free month supply of the original GenuCell under eye bags and puffiness treatment. Visit GenuCell.com slash Allie. Enter Allie at checkout for an extra special discount. That's GenuCell.com slash Allie. G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Allie. So here's what National Review says. 
The Insulin Act aims to tackle this problem by capping the price of insulin at $35 a month. Insulin affordability is a worthy goal, but the Insulin Act puts a band-aid over a bullet hole. Any legislation aimed at reducing insulin prices uh, insulin prices will be ineffective until legislators enact a structural overhaul to remove the administrative bloat surrounding insulin production. The big three insulin producers have been protected from biosimilar competition, allowing them to halt innovation while raising prices. So again, big government is actually the problem here, not the solution. Like generics, biosimilars are created to mimic another drug called the reference drug. The primary difference between the generics and biosimilars is that generics can be exact copies of the reference drug because they are mimicking chemical compounds, while biosimilars can only be highly similar since the reference drug is made of a living organism. Um, And so this is being restricted when it comes to insulin producers. National Review's argument, which I happen to agree with, is that we must allow competition in the market. Anyone who has taken a basic course on economics, or if you've read anything by Thomas Sowell, you know that an increase of options, an increase of competition is going to lower the prices. Of course, that's how you compete. But if you don't have any competition, and so people with diabetes have to rely on uh, these three products, these three companies to get the insulin, Uh, that they depend on to survive, then of course, they are going to pay anything. And these companies know that they can charge anything because you rely on them for your life. So you increase competition, you allow for these competitors to come in and to offer similar or uh, replicas of the product, and you will lower the prices. So that is why, in principle, many Republicans vote against price controls, not just when it comes to insulin, but in this case, when it comes to insulin. Now, when Trump was in office, he tried to lower the cost of insulin. This is according to the Washington Post. In 2020, President Donald Trump claimed that he had drastically lowered the price of insulin. Insulin, it's going to, it was destroying families, destroying people. The cost, Trump said in a debate, I'm getting it for so cheap, it's like water, very Trumpian statement. Uh, Trump signed an executive order to lower the price of insulin as one of his final health care acts in office. And we'll link that executive order. You can read it for yourself. The ruling was narrow, experts said, and would have lowered the cost of insulin for certain patients who go to certain federally qualified health centers. Okay, but maybe you say something is better than nothing if you agree with the logic of his executive order. Well, that was rescinded by the Biden administration as soon as he got into office. So that was apparently lowering the cost for some patients. And as soon as Biden got into office, the Washington Post said uh, he rescinded the executive order. So there we are. That's the truth of it. That's the context of it. There are a lot of different reasons why Republicans may oppose it. Of course, this is a political gimmick, as Democrats often do, as both parties often do, but more successfully and effectively and loudly Democrats do, is try to hold Republicans to a vote that they know that they can't support because it's not a good piece of legislation. And then they get shellacked in the media for not supporting something and the easy headline and the easy kind of piece of emotional manipulation is simply, well, Republicans don't want diabetics to be able to get their insulin. And so always, again, when something seems too good or too bad to be true, you dig into it and you ask questions. Is this really true? What really happened here? And that's not always easy to find. I was trying to figure this out last night because I have been around long enough to know that there was like more to the story. And I was trying to figure out, okay, what really happened? I had to ask people on Twitter, what's the truth about this? And thankfully, I got a lot of responses and people 
uh, pointing me in the right direction. But, I, you know, if I'm doing this as a job and I find it difficult to find the truth behind these kind of scandalous headlines, then I understand that it's hard for you, too. But of course, that is part of why I exist to kind of help you uh, break that down. All right, news. There's so much news. News that we are not going to be able to get into today is that um, a sitting congressperson was, his phone was uh, taken by the FBI. Is Scott Perry, uh, Congressman Scott Perry. He is apparently uh, under investigation for a possible connection to January 6th and what they're saying was an attempt to overturn the results of the election. I mean, on the heels of what happened to Donald Trump and his Mar-a-Lago home, which we talked about yesterday, I mean, this is kind of scary stuff. This, again, seems like a weaponized DOJ. And I'm interested to know what Republicans are actually going to do about it. We're not just talking about grandstanding. Like, what are you actually going to do about it? Now, Senator Tim Scott uh, from South Carolina, he is on the show today. However, however, this interview uh, was filmed last week and it was focused on his book. Now, Senator Scott is in some hot water for comments that he made on CBS about the investigation and about or about the the raid on Trump's home and um, about the DOJ. So here he is saying that. This is probably about the FBI. This is going to raise more questions, in my opinion. We need to let this play out and see exactly what happens. But we should all have been stunned and surprised and shocked at what happened yesterday. The real question is, A, what is the Federal Federal, uh, Records Act? And and B, what are we talking about? It it has to be something of incredible magnitude for at least my side of the aisle to say that was was warranted. Without that, I think we're going to find ourselves in a very big mess as it relates to the credibility of the FBI. Well, so you don't have any Senator. concern that they're going to find anything at the Mar-a-Lago Well, state? I think we should really, as, as opposed to rushing the judgment, the most important thing that we can do is let it play out. So as you can imagine, a lot of conservatives are giving a negative reaction to that. It might seem like it's an innocuous statement, but I think a lot of people are looking for Republicans to say, this is too far. This is too much. There is politicization of this and we need to investigate the investigators. We need to rein in um, the power of the DOJ, the power of Merrick Garland, the power of the FBI and ensure that it's not used as a political weapon. At the very least, I think that is what people are looking for when it comes to Republicans, because when you're looking at a red wave in November, there's there's not much point of a of a red wave if you feel like the Republicans who are in charge are not fighting on your behalf and fighting against the corruption um, that you see as a threat, not just to the potential Republican nominee in 2024, but also against you. That's what we talked about yesterday, that what happened to Trump is a reflection of what I think the federal government that has been weaponized by progressives wants to do to you especially with all of their new IRS agents. And so I think that's what people were looking uh, looking for Senator um, Tim Scott to say. 
Now, I'm very thankful that Senator Scott uh, came on my show and that he is promoting his book. I wish that I had him on actually live today because I would have asked him about this. I would be really interested to hear kind of um, his further explanation and uh, what was meant by the comments that he made on CBS. Unfortunately, I don't have that opportunity, but it's still a great interview. It's still really um, his book that we're talking about is still really fascinating. I think you're going to like um, what he has to say there. So before we get into that interview uh, with Senator Scott, let me tell you about our second sponsor for the day. And that is My Patriot Supply. You guys know we're in a recession. Inflation is out of control. I've talked to a lot of you like you're feeling the pinch. Maybe you have a good job. Your husband has a good job. But things are still feeling tight and that can feel really unstable and that can feel really scary. You don't know what the future holds. You do know though that you and your family want to be prepared come what may. And that is why I recommend my Patriot Supply. It is an emergency food supply that you can store in your uh, in your pantry, in your laundry room, wherever. And it's food that is packaged to stay fresh for up to 25 years years, I've arranged a special deal deal where you will save $50 on my Patriot Supply four-week emergency food kit. It's the ideal size to get you and your family through a pinch. You'll save $50 on a four-week food kit. Go to preparewithally.com right now. That's preparewithally.com. Senator Scott, thanks so much for joining us. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thank you. It's good to be with you, Allie. Yeah. So before we get into your book, I just kind of want to get your analysis on the state of the country. 85% of Americans, according to a poll published at the end of June, say that the country is headed in the wrong direction. 92% of our party, Republicans, 78% of Democrats. So we might disagree on why the country is headed in the wrong direction, but we do agree that it is not going the right way. Why do you think that is? And do you think we can turn it around? Well, I'll I'll start with the latter first. We can absolutely turn it around. I think we'll start turning it around in November of this year when we take majority in the House and the majority in the Senate. Without any question, elections have consequences. And one of the things that uh, people are feeling, especially on the left, is buyer's remorse. The bottom line is a simple one, that when you look at the state of our economy, when you understand and appreciate the negative impact of inflation. And when you go to the gas pump and you realize, oh my gosh, under President Trump and the Republicans, it was $1.99 in South Carolina. Now it's almost $4 a gallon. Mm -hmm. Something is really wrong. You look at, at the global stage and you come to the conclusion, especially on the right and I believe on the left as well. My goodness gracious, can President Biden not get it right somewhere around the world? And the answer is, no, he can't, nor has he. Uh, And so whether you're suffering buyer's remorse on the left, or if you are on the right and you're saying, yeah, this is exactly what you should expect from this administration, when you add $4 trillion of spending, and yet the average person in our country has less money for their own priorities, this is a terrible consequence of bad leadership, bad policies, and the combination makes bad politics in November for the Democrats. Good news, the cavalry is coming. And November is going to be the start of something brand new in this country, and I'm excited to play a role in that. 
Yeah. Tell us what that looks like if and when Republicans take the majority in the House and the Senate. What are the priorities for turning the ship around? You know, think about one of the uh, most important issues that we face today, the issue of education. Uh, A good education is the closest thing to magic in America. One of the things that we learned in the Commonwealth of Virginia just last year, last election cycle, is that parents are a necessity in education. We should be the party of parents. We should literally stand up and shout from the mountaintops that we are here on behalf of parents because we want parents back in charge of their child's education. We should do what we did from 2016 to 2020. We passed the most inclusive economic packages the country's ever seen. One of those was, of course, the 2017 tax cuts. Another example were the opportunity zones that I helped to pass through. Another one was the work that we did on education on HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. What we proved to Americans is that the great opportunity party we lead from the front. We take all of America into consideration and we pass policies that help our rural voters and our rural constituents, as well as those suffering in marginalized communities in big blue cities. We are the engine that makes America great. Hmm. And a lot of people are hungry for that. They're hungry to see that come to fruition and they're hoping that everything that you um, are talking about will be manifested. But as we just talked about a couple minutes ago, a lot of Americans are feeling pessimistic. Maybe they're even feeling hopeless. And that's a lot of what you talk about in your book, why Americans should not feel hopeless, that America is, has been a story of redemption. And from your perspective, it still is and can be that we still have a long way to go and the road ahead can be really good and unified. I got to say, it's hard for me to see that way forward sometimes. So tell us about this book and the picture that you paint for us. Well, one of the things that you just said is so important is that we should see America as the solution, not the problem. One of the things you'll learn in the book, my book, America, a Redemption Story, you'll learn about the keys to overcoming the greatest obstacles and turning those obstacles into opportunities. You'll learn about how failure can actually lead to your greatest success. And you'll learn about the fact that problems sometimes are disguised for real promise that is in your future. What we've seen as a country is we've seen America struggle with our greatest challenges and our greatest sins. And as a result of our challenges and our sins, we have actually rose to be an even better nation. We are the city on the hill. We we are that bright shining light, the beacon that hope is eternal on earth if we do the things that are necessary as individuals to make for a better nation. And it's one of the reasons why you and I as conservatives, we know that the bedrock of this nation is a Judeo-Christian foundation. The story of redemption is a story of faith, but it's not just my faith in the good Lord, it's also my faith in America. It's my faith in my fellow Americans. The truth is that we as a people can do all the things expected and even more. We are an exceptional people, but we need to know how that happens. Yeah. Tell us a little bit, as you write in your book, and as I've heard you talk about before, of the story of redemption in your own personal life. Tell us about your upbringing and really what started to shape you as a young person into the person, the senator that you are today. 
You know, one of the most important parts of my uh, my upbringing was when my parents got divorced. We moved in with my grandparents. We small house, 700 square feet, North Charleston, South Carolina, mired in poverty and hopelessness. But my grandparents were resilient. The mm-hmm. most important lesson I learned in my young formative years was the power of freedom and the power of choice. My grandfather chose to set for me and my brother an example of a man reading the newspaper every single day because he understood the power of being informed. I saw that one day, I saw it a thousand days while I was in that house. Unfortunately, what I learned 15 years later was that my grandfather could actually not read, but he was willing to set the example that all things are possible to those who actually invest themselves. And he was denied that opportunity as a young person, but he wanted to never be a victim. He wanted us to never be victims. He wanted us to carpe diem, to seize the opportunities of the day. And a major part of those opportunities was the opportunity of education. And so I'm a passionate believer in quality education in every zip code on, in this country. Another thing that you will find in the, in the book, America Redemption Story, is how my mother shepherded me through some really hard times that as a woman who works 16 hours a day, three days a week, eight hours a day, two days a week, hmm. she felt like it was her responsibility to prove to her two sons that there is dignity in all work. It is a lesson that we need today, perhaps more than we have in any other time in my lifetime. The, the muscle of work has atrophied in this country and we need to restore our faith and confidence that you can earn it. All right, quick pause to tell you guys about Birch Gold. So as we've already discussed, inflation is real. You are feeling it. That's why you need to make sure that you are securing your savings. It is critical for you to take a hard look at diversifying your savings into gold and silver. You can text Allie to 989-898. Get a free information kit on how to diversify and protect your savings with precious metals. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, gold is the right investment to make right now. So secure your savings. Go to Allie to 989-898. Get real help from Birch Gold today. Allie to 989-898 to claim your free no-obligation information kit on how to protect your hard-earned savings with gold. You talk about in your book that two things helped define you and helped shape you, buck teeth and football. Can you talk a little (laughs) bit more about that? Yes, yes, ma'am. Well, football was the fun part of the story and buck teeth was the tougher part of the story, (laughs) but let's talk about the buck teeth first. as a high school student, I had two front teeth that did not like each other. <laughs> one was going to the left, Allie Beth, and the other one's going to the right. And, and I will tell you that it is very uncomfortable having two front teeth that don't like each other. Yeah. Uh, hence, my nickname in high school was Teet. My friends weren't very smart. They couldn't say teeth. They just called me Teet, T-E-E-T. And a part of the challenge of being uh, teased on a consistent basis is it does lower yourself esteem. It does have an impact on how you see yourself. But once again, the pain of my past became the promise of my future. And I ran into a guy, Dr. Monty S. Harrington, who was an orthodontist. I walked into his office and he said, oh my, 
I think we can help you. <laughs> thank God he was right. Yeah. And because, because of Dr. Harrington, I sit here with a smile that I'm proud of. I look in the mirror and I'm so thankful that people who didn't even know me that well were willing to offer me a, a hand up and not a handout. He said, how much can you afford? And I gave him an amount. And he says, you owe that every single month. But with that small amount, I will do the work up front. Had it not been for good Americans like Dr. Monty S. Harrington, I would not be sitting here as a United States Senator. The football was my dream of buying my mom a house, of getting out of poverty and, and making something of myself. My senior year, I had a major car accident that took away six or seven weeks of my senior football season. The good news, once again, failure leading to success, the good news is it was my freshman year in college at an FCA meeting that I found that football should only be my game and Jesus should be my life. And it was that experience that was born out of pain and misery that made me understand the value of giving before receiving, of sowing before reaping, and believing that all things are possible. Hmm. There's a lot that you're talking about that you write about in your book, a variety of different trials and adversity that you endured that seems to parallel the fight that you have had um, as a senator. Of course, all Republicans face a hostile media to some extent. You get a lot of different kinds of opposition. I remember there was an article a couple years ago that came out about you basically saying that you don't have a genuine black experience or that maybe you don't really sincerely know what it's like to be a black person um, in America. I'm sure that you've gotten a lot of criticism like that, that we haven't even seen publicly because it hasn't been oh, yeah. published. So tell me, tell me what that's like. I mean, how do you face and respond to that kind of such personal and wrong criticism? You know, Ali, it is painful to be ostracized by parts of your own natural community. But the truth is that it's the, the love of the Lord really has been able to heal my wounds and help me understand that people who don't know you their opinion doesn't matter nearly as much as we sometimes give it credit for. Uh, and so my job uh, as, a, as a believer, as a Christian, is to Matthew 5, 44 them, which is love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and move on. Uh, I believe in the extra mile, so I, I have to give them an extra heaping of grace. Uh, I believe in forgiveness, so I have to actually forgive according to Matthew 6. So for me, uh, what I've learned is to literally live out what I say I believe, because so often it is frustrating to hear the comments and the negativity that comes from the left who want to make me a, a caricature of a person so that they can have a heel in the story, someone mm -hmm. who is responsible for the things that go wrong. But here's, Ali, what they don't want the public to know. What they don't want the public to know is how the Great Opportunity Party, the GOP, delivered the highest level of funding in the history of historically black colleges and universities. What they don't want the public to know is that it was our party, the conservative party, that produced opportunity zones that led to the highest level of investment in the private sector, perhaps in the history of our country, almost $75 billion committed. 
What they don't want you to know is this our party that led to more research, more development around sickle cell anemia, uh, uh, a blood disorder that impacts African-Americans nearly exclusively. They don't want you to know that our party literally led to the most inclusive economy in the history of the country. They're afraid of who we are when, when we are just being ourselves. Right. Well, final question that I have for you, I saw this published online. It says, a publisher, this is Posting Courier, publisher admits error, says Tim Scott did not okay a line in book about the presidential bed. So what exactly happened there? You know, the I don't know, honestly, the publisher made the decision not only to announce something that I'm completely unaware of and announce it in the wrong year in 2022, as if there's something to run for in 2022, except for, of course, my reelection. And so I think they may have just been dreaming of a future that I have not been made aware of. And uh, they conflated that with my reelection in 2022. Well, there may be a lot of people that are uh, dreaming up that future, looking forward to see uh, what's ahead for you. So thank you so much. America, a redemption story. I'm guessing you can get it wherever books are sold. Highly, highly recommend people go out and get that right now. Thank you so much, Senator Scott, for taking the time to talk to us today. Absolutely. Thank you for your investment of time and thank you for standing for truth uh, and the gospel way. God bless you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay, I'm so excited to tell you about our last sponsor of the day, and that is Covenant Eyes. This is a tool to help you stay accountable as you are online, as you're on your phone, as you're scrolling through social media to protect you or to protect a loved one in your life from pornography. I know that porn can be difficult to talk about, but if your faith, your marriage, your family are as important to you um, as I know that they are, you really should give Covenant Eyes a look. The app sits quietly on all of your devices that need it. It monitors your screen activity and then provides detection through blocking. And here's where Covenant Eyes is a great deal. Just one account gives you unlimited users with protection for an unlimited number of devices like cell phones, computers, iPads, and tablets. That's your whole family for one price. So this is great for your teens, for your kids, um, for yourself, for someone that you know who would just benefit from this extra layer of uh, accountability and protection. The protection is on the device itself. It goes wherever you go. Covenant Eyes is offering you a free 30-day trial so you can see for yourself what a blessing it can be. Visit coveyes.com slash alley. That's C-O-V-I's.com slash alley for that free trial. Coveyes.com slash alley. All right. I hope you enjoyed that little conversation. Again, I wish I could have asked him about everything that is circulating in the news with his name right now and some of the pushback that he has gotten next time. Maybe he'll come back on and we'll be able to discuss that. But I wanted to end on a lighter note. I saw this video on Twitter. Um, I thought that it was so sweet. If you're just listening to this, this is um, like a little league or maybe a high school, middle school uh, based baseball game and the pitcher accidentally hits the batter in the head with a ball. He's all shaken up from it. And then the batter comes and comforts the pitcher to try to kind of calm his nerves so he can keep playing the game. I thought that this was a really sweet moment. Here it is. 
Oh, look out. Wow, that is a tough kid right there. So this is really cool because as a pitcher, Bubs looks shaken up right now because of what he did. And look at Zay Jarvis. This is such great sportsmanship. He wants him to know that it's okay, that he'll be fine. Hey, Bob. Look, look at me. Look at me. You're all right. Amazing. You're all right. Look at me. Hey, look, look. I'm crying. Oh my gosh. What's wrong with me? I just thought that was so sweet. I thought that was so sweet. And I know some people were giving these boys a hard time. It was the Little League World Series, by the way. And I think I saw like Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports saying, like, this is stupid. You know what? I don't care. I. I think, of course, it is so important to have tough masculinity for boys and men to have a good fight to fight, to have a family and community to protect, for them to be courageous and strong. But that doesn't mean being emotionless. That doesn't mean being callous. That doesn't mean being void of compassion. Actually, we need men, yes, with a tough exterior, but also with a soft heart and who know when to display and demonstrate that soft heart. And so I loved that. Hey, good job to the mama of the boy that comforted the pitcher. If I were her, I would be super proud. I just thought that that was so sweet. Guys, there is still goodness in the world. Uh, There um, is still reason to rejoice in the good things that God allows us to partake in. There is still always the opportunity to be kind and to show gentleness and to show compassion. And so let us take every opportunity to do that and to simply do the next right thing in faith. Because when all of these scary things are happening in the world, when it feels like everything has come crashing down, God is still sovereign and he still calls us to the next right thing. So good on those boys for demonstrating compassion and good sportsmanship. We'll be back here tomorrow. We'll be with Jennifer Law, who is one of your favorite guests. She is an expert on surrogacy in the reproductive industry. There have been lots of stories going on that involve that subject. And so we're going to dig it in, uh, dig into it tomorrow. You're going to love it. I will see you then.